Yo, check us out. Chuck, the public enemy. Yo, what's up? This is DJ Yellow from the world's most dangerous group. What's up? This is DOC, the Diggy Diggy motherfucking doc. Yo, 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 what's up? This is your boy, Z-Man. What up, y'all? This is D-Shot. This is Jerry Heller, motherfucker. This your boy, DJ Paul K-O-L for 36 Young Busy Bone. Vice One. This your man, Matt Smine, the hell raise up. Yo, this is DJ Ready Red. What up, what up, what up? This is the real Rick Ross, and you're listening to me on the Murder Master Music Show. Crazy man, because 
like, I, I mean, I always, you know, wanted to do music since, you know, since I, I, I can remember. That's that's what my my whole just, like, I just wanted to do that. So it's crazy how once I actually got a chance to do it, it was like living a dream in a sense. Because, um, like I say, how, how the group got put together was uh, me. Um, I always uh, used to put together the beats. On uh, you know how people used to can put together beats on the two track uh cassette player and stuff back in the day, and uh yeah. what we would what we would do is like find a loop in the beat right just kind of like how they were doing on the turntables but we were doing it on the on the, the the double cassettes and what we would do is find loops in the track and just uh, just record that loop and pause it and rewind the tape back on the other side and catch the loop again and it would create these seamless loops like. Like, man, and we would just be rapping over that and just, you know, doing all kind of stuff. And then one day, the funny thing is, I never thought Rap-A-Lot was, like, dealing with kids. You know what I'm saying? Because the first time I had heard Rap-A-Lot, it was the Ghetto Boys and, uh, you know, and all all of those different artists. You know, it was, that was, that was, you know, they were older and they was on some straight gangster shit. And I was like, well, I guess, you know, I'm going to be doing this till I get a little bit older. And, you know, I jump in the game because for some reason, you know, back in the 90s, Rap-A-Lot was the the biggest label down south. So that's what, you oh, know, yeah. if you wanted to do music, that's who you aspired to try to hook up with. So one day I'm listening to, um, I think it was We Can't Be Stopped came out. And uh, they had Too Low on We uh, Bring It On. And I was like, oh, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I mean, he, part, yeah. yeah, he had the first verse on there, right? So I'm listening to Too Low, and I'm like, oh, who is this little kid on here, right? And so I'm <laughs> yeah. like, okay, I'm going to try to get with Rap-A-Lot. So they had a record company, uh, I mean, a record shop, actually a tape shop where they sold tapes and CDs that I used to go up to and shit sometimes, and I heard the Fifth Wall Boys on the radio. And they was oh, like, yeah. yeah, man, we're looking for more artists and all of that, right? So... I pick up my gang and man, we go up there and shoot, they 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 hooked us up on the spot. Yeah, they Double uh, O Seven was telling us about uh, you guys. Uh, you know, very talented. Uh, what was it like um, meeting Jay Prince, man? Did you know much about him at that time? Oh yeah, like I I knew a lot about him just you know because we're from the same neighborhood and you know we you know, you always hear about all kind of stuff but like I say the the fact that you know Rap-A-Lot was like the biggest label because once the Ghetto Boys came out and you know Jay was kind of like a celebrity and I I still kind of remember when he first came into the record store and we rapped for him and like he was like yeah like he gave. The okay, because we had actually rapped for Dewey first, and then Dewey told Jay about us, and then Jay came to check us out, and he heard us, and he was like, hey, okay, I want to sign him. And, man, it was like a dream come true, because I was like, man, you like I say, it, it was like living a dream, because you couldn't believe that, you know what I'm saying, that it was actually happening when it was happening, you know what I'm saying? And to be that young and being that, man, it was like, it was, it was crazy. Yeah, this is, and again, this is 1995. So much shit came out that year. Um, I mean, we, we could stay on the line for an hour trying to, to mention all the names. Man, but, I was talking about Wu Tang Clan, all kind of stuff. <laughs> 95 yeah, was the year. Even even rap a lot, man. You guys had a lot of uh, good good uh, albums that that came out. In 95. And I think we dropped so, about 
about 12. But, man, I wouldn't say, I would say you dropped like 15 albums that year. I do remember it being a lineup of, man, it was, you had the Art Squad. It was so many, DMG. It was so many albums came out that year. You're right, man. And they, they was all nice. And you was on uh, Rady G, Fit Four Boys. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Step Into My Hood. Classic. Oh, yeah, on the first one. Yeah, the first one. I, I lost my voice doing that song. <laughs> oh, <laughs> if you man. listen to the beginning of that song, man, that's me uh-huh. just doing all that screaming in the beginning. And it was crazy. Man, I, I got so many crazy stories, but I'm going to tell you real quick. If you listen to Step Into My Hood, that's actually a sample of um, Mortal Kombat. A lot of people yeah, don't know get that. Yeah, over here. But it's, yeah. Yeah, but it's yeah, but no, I'm talking about even the music. Like Grim oh, sampled some too. of the intro, the the, the uh, yeah, it's in the beat. It, he actually sampled wow. some of the music from the um the menu uh uh uh, uh, uh the, the, when you're picking the players or whatnot. He sampled that, put that into the beat. And I'm talking about man, that was crazy. We went to the studio. I laid my part first before everybody. So when they came in, like the stage was pretty much set. Yeah. You set you set it up for everybody. Just that hell of a posse song, man. That's uh, oh, yeah. and it gets you amped up. I remember first hearing it in '95. I went and bought it, and uh, I had to keep playing that shit over and over again. You know what I'm saying? Because it was just so aggressive. You know, <laughs> yeah, and you wanted right, to go right, out and do right. something. <laughs> you know, <laughs> hey, so you wasn't we taking no shit from, with that right? song. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what we were shooting for, man. We was trying to be just, you know, during those times, man, that was like the apex of, like, gangster music where I'm pretty sure youngsters would like to say now that what they doing, but, I, you know, I, I, being that I'm an engineer now, too, when I do production, I work with a lot of the young cats, and I always tell them, like, man, y'all don't know about when back in 95 when you know what i'm saying you had all the menace to society and all that that's when gangster rap was really gangster rap like i'm like y'all what y'all kind of doing there's a cross between that and r&b a little bit but <laughs> that was like yeah. how you say that song sounded so aggressive that it really had those type of feelings behind it uh underground g's as well too like that, um, yeah, I think that was on on Gangsta Funk, uh, the Fifth World Boys. Like it seemed like whenever we all got together on the song, we brought this type of energy. Yeah, yeah, it could have been like a a, a super a super group type thing, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, you, you, here you are, you're 16, you're on rap a lot. You know, the album uh, comes out, you know what I'm saying, and uh, it starts doing its thing, you know, and then all of a sudden it just it just uh, stopped like there's no more promotion. What happened uh, uh, with the album as far as that? Like, why was it Man, no more, I'm, uh, I'm glad y'all noticed that. <laughs> I'm yeah. glad you noticed that because a lot of, that just means that, you know what I'm saying, the fans was really paying attention. Well, just imagine it from this point, point of view, right? Um. I was in school, like I said, I was 16, so I was in high school around that time. And, um, you know, I would come and get picked up from school. Like, I would get an announcement on the loudspeaker sometime. They would be like, hey, is, uh, is Frank in your class? And teacher like, yeah. And they'd be like, send him to the office, prepare to go home. And i go downstairs, and it's a limo. <laughs> they, I'm getting ready to go on tour. Like, these are the type of things we was going through, right? And, 
man, every weekend we were booked. We did we did tours with Biggie Smalls. Like I tell people all the time, we actually toured with Notorious B.I.G. We were doing a lot of stuff, man, and we were sitting in stores watching the album sell out. We were being uh, in stores in Chicago, um, uh, in everywhere, all over the nation, and we would be selling that. And I remember one, I always tell people the story, I remember we were in one city, and I nudged Daddy Lowe in the ribs, and I told him, I say, bro, I think we're about to be rich because this album is really selling. And um, we really, um, I think we sold like 80,000 our first uh, 90, uh, 90 days or something like that, right? And uh, to make a long story short, what happened, how y'all seen it is exactly how how we saw it. It was like one day we were on the road doing shows, doing this, doing that. And all of a sudden, it just came to, and I always tell people this, it didn't it didn't slow down. It came to like an immediate halt, like, like what the hell's going on? And it, it was, it's mysterious. We still don't know to this day, like, why did that album do that? And it debuted um, 27 on the Billboard and everything. So I, I, I don't oh, know. Yeah. That's a mystery. <laughs> It, it was a very dope album. I mean, it had so many sounds. I mean, it had, like, some West Coast G-Funk and, you know what I'm saying, some dope down South Texas. Uh, it was just a well-rounded project. Um, man, I appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? But uh, And we you know, wrote all of that stuff, man. I'm talking about we wrote all of that as little kids. I was the oldest in the group, so everybody else was younger than me. And we wrote all of them lyrics ourselves. Everybody else was around like two loaves age, pretty much. Uh, exactly. Wow, man, that's, that's amazing. I know, I knew you guys were young, but I thought maybe like eighteen or something. You know, I no, know I was the oldest in high school. Time, I think Daddy yeah. Low was probably fourteen. Um, that's how I almost. Well, the, the uh, one of the rumors was that uh, being that I was sixteen, they almost didn't put me in the group because they wanted to do something that was like 14 and under, but I was too hard. They was like, <laughs> they say, gotcha. oh, we got to put Slim down, man. They, they, and I ended up being like the spearhead for the group and stuff, man. But, yeah, like I say, man, it was pretty dope. But it surprised the hell out of us too, man. Um, I kind of got my speculations on what happened, but it, it was weird though. I can't tell you that it was weird for us too. It was like all of a sudden, like what what's what's going on? We was on tour. What's going on? And everything kind of slowed down after that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of uh, rap, a lot of albums that I feel could have easily went gold or platinum. You know. Um, I mean, there's uh, so many classics on that label. Um, now, I want to go back a, a little bit. You talking about going on tour with Notorious B.I.G. This guy at this time is, is just selling crazy records. I mean, everybody knows him. What was it like being on tour with him? Did you get to kick it with him at all? Uh, no, we didn't get to kick it with him because they had us kind of like, they used to have us like shelled because we were so young. Like, they... They were scared of the things that we were doing on the road, but we was we were some badasses. We we fucking run all up and man, we was terrible. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> we was terrible. Just imagine you taking some kids out the hood and just putting us in these 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 
top-notch hotels and stuff, man. I'm talking about we running the hallways and just wilding out. And what we what they would do was, and it's a funny thing. Um, I'm gonna I'm put you on. I'm gonna put you at a show, right? We were at this show. I, I believe it was in Baton Rouge. Um, we were um we had already performed. It was called the Bigger Than Big Tour, and it had it was the Fifth Juveniles. It was Big Mike, uh, Too Short, uh, um, who else was it? Okay, you had two short. Um, who else was at that show, man? But I, but either way, when we were um, bigger than was outside, and this is the funny thing I tell people this all the time about big big them, because I don't I don't know if you was in the promotion game or knew anything about what they was doing back in the um, big them used to burn off on promoters a lot. Uh <laughs> Seriously, like okay, yeah. and this is what happened in Baton Rouge one time, right? The um, big and them getting ready to go on stage because um, I think Short had just um, finished his set or whatever. So as big and them getting ready to, uh, as we waiting for them to come through the dressing room, right? Um, all of a sudden the promoter runs in and he's like screaming hysterically, like, "Oh, they just try to run me over! They try to run me over!" And so everybody like, "What? Well, what's going on?" And he say. When he went and gave them the rest of the money, because, you know, you get your back in right before the show. And he said when he gave them that and when he stepped off the bus, you know, he heard the brakes release. <laughs> you know, and they go to they, – they, so he like, hold up, they about to leave. So he goes to stand in front of the bus, and, shoot, they hit that gas. He had to jump out the way. But that happened for about – I can't remember exactly how many shows, but I know it was more than one. And I was so like, big, man, they big would get yeah, the money bro. and they would just run and not they do the show. They were just huh? burning off, bro. They were just burning off to the next city. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's, well, that's <laughs> dangerous. You know, you got to think about it. Man. You, you come across the wrong guy. You know, uh, things could get really, really ugly, really fast. I mean, you but, would uh, think that somebody would be thinking like that, but man, that was—you're right—that was reckless, and they—they they were doing it. There's a lot of artists that was doing that back in the day. It made me wonder sometimes, like, was Big even on that bus? Because you know, you had some people who could might have been a who would say that somebody was on the bus, and I mean, would would say that they was managers for somebody and get the money and run. Yeah. Yeah, that's some. Um, but I did see Lil Kim and all of that, so I think I, I seen Junior Mafia so big had to be on that bus. <laughs> so yeah. They had us so shelled in so much, man. They wouldn't let us go and kick it with certain people. We did with Outkast and certain groups. Uh, Snoop, you know, we kicked it with Snoop. We used to do, man. I'm telling you, we were we was in the mix. The Fitboy Juveniles was actually like I say on the way to do some. Some major things because I was a consumer of music. I watched the MTV Rap City all the time, and we was doing everything that I saw all my favorite groups do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You like, were. We I mean, yeah, TV. like I said, you was there at the perfect time. You know what I'm saying? The height oh, yeah, of uh, uh, the you know gangster rap. Yeah, man. I got to see. Um, one of my highlights is Fab Five Freddy introducing our video on Yo MTV Raps. Like, yeah. when I saw that, I was like, yo, I, I could have been done just right there because, like I say, I used to run home from school to watch Rap City, you know what I'm saying? And 
to see my video up there, it was it was surreal, man. Like like I say, it was it was dope. I was I knew I was in it for life then. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I tell you what, we're gonna uh we're gonna bring on uh G Money the Rap Lot historian after this track, then we're gonna bring on the homie Sin, the French connection. Um I, we got two tracks here. Uh, I want you to pick the one you want, man. We got uh, we did it. Okay. And the other oh. one is uh, okay. The, the other one, one you probably it's, 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 I gotta do what I gotta do. <laughs> gotta do what so, I gotta do. Okay, I got you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So so we can go with the um I did it uh I did it uh first and the one that I want to describe that uh song this one is like an intro that's gonna be on the Frankenstein uh. EP that's getting ready to drop real soon. I do all the production on this and uh, all of the mixing, the mastering, and everything. It's like I'm, I'm trying to be Doctor uh, the Doctor Dre and Down South right now. So <laughs> check all me right, out, man, and let, let me know what y'all think about it. We'll be right back. We're here, Mr. Slim. Don't go nowhere. Murder Master Music Show. Yeah, it's like some of that shit. Nigga dropped when he finally made it type shit. My light ass. Fuck that, we gon' drop in there. Tell all my niggas we did it. Did it. Tell all my niggas we did it. Did it. Tell all my niggas we did it. Did it. Tell all my niggas we did it. Yeah. Long nights in them kitchen. Made it out of them trenches. trenches. Tell all my niggas we did it. Did it. Tell all my niggas we did it. Did it. Tell all my niggas we did it. Made it up out of them prisons. Made it up out of their kitchen. Some other shit I can't mention. Could've died on Benson. Ask nickel boy daddy low. We was walking to the corner store. Long man said, there they go. Real life, no movie script. Young nigga with a Uzi clip. Wish my nigga Trey Deuce was here. Swear that nigga let loose in here. Cuban link like the purple tape. Y'all nigga straight perpetrate. Ask your girl how to purple tape. Frankenstein, it was worth the wait. Tell all my niggas we did it. 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 Long nights in them kitchens. Made it out of them trenches. Tell all my niggas we did it. Tell all my niggas we did it. They ain't heard the flow in a minute. minute. I had to go in and get it. get it. They thought a nigga was missing, yeah. I'm with the game, it's missing, yeah. I just played my position. Stay away from my position. Did a little politicking, yeah. Hey, you niggas gotta listen, yeah. Fuck no, I don't wanna shake hands. Niggas better keep their distance. Circle small like wristbands. Fuck around and get your shit ran. Pop a bottle for the celebration. Thank God for the elevation. Take my niggas on the vacation. Hand them in with and we all caking. Tell all my niggas we did it. 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 Long nights in them kitchens. Made it out of them trenches. Tell all my niggas we did it. We did it. Tell all my niggas we did it. Yeah. Yeah, we're back here, Mr. Slim. You know what I'm saying? Murder Master Music Show. I don't want to shake hands. Keep your distance. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, we did it. Or, uh, that's av- is that available right now for people to stream? Um. It's available if you go check it out for a limited time because, man, I actually put it out. 2018, but what happened okay. was I put it on I put it out on SoundCloud, right? And it was just supposed to be just a little little like soft kind of release thing. But I had a partner name. Um, I don't know if y'all heard of Kenny Lou from down here in Houston. He was a um, rap artist. Yeah, he got he passed away like a couple of years. He got killed down here in Houston. 
And uh, but he had a big following. He had a big following, and uh, I got a feature from him on the album, right? Well, when I put it on uh, uh, SoundCloud, man, that song got almost three hundred some thousand uh plays, right? So I ended up just leaving it up there. So for the, I guess they can check it out for you know right now on SoundCloud. You can go in there and check it out. It's the uh, Frankenstein um uh EP. And um, it's spelled like I don't know if y'all. Well, we I know we'll get to the podcast and everything, but it's spelled F R A N C K N S T Y N E S. And uh, put that into your uh, your SoundCloud, and I guarantee you it'll pop up. But um, in a couple of weeks, we're gonna be up all everywhere. With and um, it's like a deluxe version of the album. Now we got new songs, new features, new beats, new everything. Oh, that's what's up. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, it's good to see you, uh, you know what I'm saying, you're doing this stuff, man, in 2023. Longevity in the game. You came in just man. a kid. Just a kid. Uh, before I, I turn it over to the homie uh, G Money, the rap live story, and I want to ask you, um, we had 007 on recently, and he told us, um, young guy, he was in prison for life. I had no idea. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, how old was he when he went down? I think 007 uh, said uh, uh, he killed two of his partners or something like that. Yeah, man, that's 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 that's. Man, I ain't gonna lie, to you you you. That's it. That's pretty deep right there when, when it comes to that story because um, anybody that followed after the Fifth Ward Juveniles, um, I, I I went and started a group called FWC. And um, yeah. we put out a project. It was called uh, Organized Crown in 1998. And me personally, and I mean, I would say it's critically acclaimed too, but a lot of people would say that this is one of the most underrated. Um, it's almost like it's lucky if you got your hands on it because they only pressed up, and let me tell you, they only pressed up 5,000 copies of this project. <laughs> no bullshit. Oh, so, yeah, and, I, and when I tell you, um, I don't know if you have a copy, but I can get you a copy. Um, I can email it to you. But when I tell you, bro, that project that me and Gotti put together, oh, my God, it was so crazy. But to go back to your story, me and Gotti, when we left Rapalite, we started a record label um, called Rebel Records, and it was me, Gotti, Philly Field, who was on the um, FWC project on, I think it was the last song, and he had a cousin named O.B., who was like one of the, I'm talking about one of the most hustling dudes i ever seen in my life. He he was, um, they, they pretty much came together. We started this record company, and right now as we stand today, that's the two people who Gotti was responsible for, you know what I'm saying? And that's that's what left me to do it by myself. That's why I ended up like doing it by myself because my dudes, they 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 gone. You know what I'm saying? And I know you know You're the last man standing. Yeah, I'm the last man standing, and I, I want to give a special shout-out to Trey Deuce um, because Trey Deuce was actually the fourth member of the Fifth Ward Juveniles that a lot of people don't know, but he um, committed suicide. So it was like, Aww. man, I, I had death in the Fifth Ward Juveniles, then I had then the FWC. It was crazy, bro. <laughs> Rest in peace, man. Uh, yeah, I, I've been doing this myself since the 90s, and the, the, the older I get, the saddest part about it is, 
you know, like DJ Ready Red, for example, or Bushwick Bill. You build relationships oh, with these guys, and they're they're dying. You know what I'm saying all the time. It's just it's it's just terrible. You know, man, um, he is. The, uh, Bushwick was my dude too. I did a lot of tours with Bushwick. Man, we we hit that road a lot. I learned a lot from Bushwick. Uh, one of the main things I learned though was um, don't pass your blunt to him in the middle of a conversation. <laughs> But because he'll smoke it all the way up, he ain't passing it back. So make sure you didn't before you like back in those times we used to be like make sure that you done you done got all the hits off the blunt you want because when you pass it to Bushwick, he is not passing it back. And then what was so crazy, he had a fanny pack full of blunt. So why would he smoke all yours? I don't know, but I love my dude, man. Rest in peace, Bushwick Bill, man. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. We've heard so many stories about him, and uh, uh, even I had a couple myself. Um, it seems like everybody that ever came in contact with Bushwick Bill has a couple good stories about him. But um, oh man, he's the greatest, though. He's a genius. Yeah, yeah, he is, man. By far, you know, what I'm saying one of the most intelligent people I've ever spoke to. Um, just a straight up genius. You're 100 percent right. Uh, so is Gangster Nip, by the way. You know what I'm saying? The psychotic genius himself. I think that's oh, why yeah, I just had him and on the Bush would mesh so so well together. You know, I had uh, uh, I had I had Gangster Nip on my podcast. Oh, really? I got to check that out. Yeah. What's the name of your podcast? It's the uh, Frankenstein Artcast podcast. You can check it out on YouTube. I think we on show number seventy three. No, I think we on seventy five now. But um, we've been doing it like for a year and a half, and uh, it's it's growing pretty good. It's it's growing slowly but surely. But um, we've been like I said, we've been having some pretty good guests on there. I've had the um, I had New Life on there. I'm about to get Double O. Double O's coming on, and uh, like oh, I yeah. say, we had uh, we had Gangsta Diff. That was a good show, man. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna send you a link, so you know what I'm saying you can check it out. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Did uh, one more thing before I turn it over. Did Nip do his voice? Did he did he go from brother Nip to gangster Nip on you? Oh yes, you know I had to get him to do that because I told. I told see, one thing when people come on my show, I always try to give them their um, they flowers. Like, and I tell them yes. like I say, man, I say, man, you you. He was one of the people that when I signed the rap a lot, and like. You know how you just looking forward to meet certain people that kind of like let you know that you made it. Like 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 Nip was the like when I met Nip, I felt like I was meeting like uh, I guess the like Michael Jordan. I guess it, it, it was that crazy. That's how that's how much I looked up to Nip and was listening to him, looking at the Rap a Lot logo on his album cover. And just dreaming, like, man, it would be dope, man, if I was to ever sign to that record company one day. So, like, when I actually did, man, I was so looking forward to meeting him. So, yeah, I, I got him to do a promo for me in the Gangsta oh, Nip yeah. voice. So, it was dope. <laughs> yes, welcome. <laughs> yeah, shout out to the uh, homie Gangsta Nip, man. You're <laughs> oh yeah, I got. I definitely got to check that one out, man. And and uh, yeah, go in our archive too. I'll send you some links. We've had him on uh, a bunch of times. Always a blast. Um, let's bring on G Money, man. This is uh, the Rap a Lot historian. Um, you know, what I'm saying uh, follow him on Instagram at Rap a Lot History. Always posting some classic stuff, rare promo items. G Money, how you doing, brother? Hey, what's going on? Appreciate you having me on the show. Oh, man. Hey, Anytime. what's up, G-Money? 
Thanks What's for up, setting brother? Up this Frank Nitty. Oh man, ain't nothing, man. Same old, same old, man. I appreciate the hookup and everything, man, for making the uh the show happen. And uh, yo, I had G Money on the podcast too, man. We had a, we had a, a good life little conversation, man. I told him how um I appreciated, you know, everything that he was doing. And I remember when he I, I first talked to him, I told him I say um I was like, yo, so um you know who you who when did you work with Rap a lot, right? <laughs> And he was like, no, nah, man, I'm just a fan, somebody that just, and, you know, he told me he was even from out of town and, and, you know, somebody who just, you know, really liked rap a lot stuff and started that page. And I still, I'm telling you, like, amongst the artists, we really appreciate that, man, because it, it hits home and it, it you know what I'm saying, lets, some, lets us know that our, our work wasn't in vain, man. So it's always good, you know what I'm saying, to oh, talk yeah. to G-Money. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, I had a lot of fun on your show. Go check out the Oddcast podcast because you'll get some knowledge, but you'll also get a lot of good laughs. Oh, yeah. We Shout out to that whole crew. <laughs> Hell, yeah. But, yeah, everything's been good with you, though, man. Yeah, brother, you know, just living day by day, you know what I'm saying? Trying to maintain and get somewhere, as we all are these days. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. How's that uh, collection of rap a lot coming along, man? You still building that up? Try it, brother. Try it, man. Um, I told a story, and I think you commented about how I had a whole binder full of not just rap a lot stuff, but No Limit, um, Death Row, Slip and Slide, and uh, someone broke into my car and took it. But, yeah, what? I'm trying to build it back up, you know? Yeah, that's uh, unfortunate, man. Uh, that's what I've been yeah, trying to do. Unfortunate too, for you, but 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 from what you just named, that's how unfortunate as hell for the person who took it. Though they jamming like a motherfucker. <laughs> oh yeah, I said they. I had said um, I hope they had some uh, uh, some oven mitts because they got some heat. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry, they yeah. got some heat, bro. <laughs> that's all the shit named, I grew up like, off man. of, man. Um, exactly. You know, for me it was Rap a Lot and Ruthless. It was R and R, man. Them two labels just—I had to get everything that both of them dropped. You know what I'm saying? I just had to. Yeah, we were just talking about that Ruthless the other day, man. That uh, that whole DOC. We were talking about DOC albums particularly, but what we was what we were speaking on was that how whenever Dre dropped an artist like like nine times out of ten they changed the game when they dropped you know what i'm saying and that's what made dre so like like popular like uh we talked about eminem we talked about 50 we talked about the and so we was the furthest we had went back was um who was that that we was t- it was somebody but then i was like no y'all gotta remember the doc like when no when no one can do it better came out that no like there was everybody's <laughs> tape deck. Everybody was playing yeah. this shit. I'm talking about like this is in like even when he did the chronic, when he did Snoop Dogg, like whenever Dre really gets behind even Kendrick Lamar, when he really puts his energy behind that artist, they stop the world and make everybody pay attention to him. And it's like, man, that's that's like one of our biggest things to bring it back to rap a lot, that was our competition all the time, right? We was our competition back then was Death Row. <laughs> to be honest yeah. with you, like we would sit back and just listen to all the Death Row shit 
and we would just be like, yo, we got to smash this shit. And it wasn't easy. <laughs> it wasn't easy because, bro, that shit, you're talking about, I remember nights sitting up, like we would all get together. I'm talking about like 30 of us and just listen to the, uh, like say say when uh, Doggy Style came out, right? We would all listen to it from the beginning to the end, right? And I'm talking about when the tape would end, the room would be quiet. Because it was like, what the fuck did we just hear? Like, <laughs> like Drake Almost like a fighter watching uh, tapes of another, uh, his opponent fighting, studying and, you know. Yeah, and those dudes were so dope, bro. That's why That's why whenever we did those click songs that we were just talking about earlier, we we always thought about what was that song, um, that seven execution style murders. I have oh, no yeah, more yeah, high power. We yeah. always was like, that's how we gotta come. We gotta, we gotta high power this motherfucker because whenever Drake, man, when corrupt and all of them got on a fucking song, bro, it was. I'm telling you, they they kept us sharp, and I'm pretty on sure. Death row. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we kept them sharp too because I done heard some of their interviews and they was like, yeah, they used to listen to a lot of rapper like shit. And speaking of this, not that, that before we move forward. I want to give a big shout out RIP to the to the God, the creator of so many things that's Houston, the creator of so many images, um, so many people that were not originally from Houston who came to Houston, who he gave them, they made you think they was from the H Town. That is the Lord three two, three two. Yeah, rest of man peace, is man. so responsible. Man, if people really knew what this man is responsible for. Like, and I know y'all can appreciate it because we historians on stuff like that, but the man literally is the reason that death row is what death row was. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, man, they sent, they sent Big Mike and 3-2 up there while Dre was working on the chronic. Hmm. If you notice you when 3-2 passed away, Snoop, Snoop Dogg. Yeah, Snoop Dogg gave him a big shout out and said this was the first dude to tell me we don't love them hoes. This is where yeah. Snoop got his whole shit from. And it's, it's and you know when you go back and you listen there and you hear the the really doll and the big baby and the man you all that sauce that three two had and you know the black monk. Like, come on, like like the the man is just legendary in in this week, and I'm never gonna let that die. So in any interview I'm in, I'm gonna always speak on three two man. Three two is my dude. Man, we uh, we interviewed uh, AWOL. You know, rest in peace to him too. Damn, they're both. Man, we, we interviewed him. Um, I want to say 2012, and, and three two was supposed to come on the show, and he he, he didn't make it. Um, you know, I always wanted to chop it up with that guy. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you so, would love three two, man. Three two is like, oh my god, like I'm telling you, it's like talking to Quincy Jones or somebody. Like he was, he's so instrumental in this down south rap thing. Like when I when I speak on the people who were not from Houston, but he made them feel like they were from Houston and they totally adapted everything from 3-2. I'm speaking on Pimp C and RIP Pimp C too. But, um, you know, we all know Pimp C was from Port Arthur, but let it be known that a lot of people, you know, his whole style, that coming down and that yeah and that man and 
that's all three two. You know what I'm saying? And you you if you realize that three two is some of the first people who they was collabing with when they came down here doing the one day you here, the next day you gone. Like three two is 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 Mr. Southside man. So and, and not yeah. only did he represent us down here, you got Snoop Dogg. You got some of the biggest next. Like Snoop Dogg has got to be to me the biggest rapper ever, and his whole personality and everything is from. Three two. If you, if you ever yeah. sat down and bet three two, you you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. But man, I miss my boy. He, he got a little out there on the drugs and stuff, man. But you know what I'm saying. He was a, he was a, he was he was still in his head. I tell you that. He was the first he, one to he, rap he, on one of my beats. Oh, for real? That had to. Oh yeah, man. Three oh. two came to my studio, man, and was he was one of the first ones to let me know, like, bro, you you a real producer. Like, he told me that. He was like, man, your shit is hot. And just hearing 3-2 rap on my shit, that, was, that, that solidified me. It was his voice. And it's like, man, I got 3-2 in my studio rapping on my shit. Man, that shit was crazy. He was the only person my mama let come knock on the door at 4 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, and not get mad. Uh, yeah. He, um, he, like I said, he was the, the bridge between everybody. He was, you know, uh, uh, down with the SPC. You know, the yeah, Rumpling, I'm talking about Rap the lot. center of it. Uh, yeah, okay. Just, uh, man, yeah, I'm man. Tell you, I love that dude, bro. And when you think about it, right, it's, 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 it makes all the sense in the world because the dude was like so many characters at one time. I'm talking about like, man, 3-2 was fun. And when we hit the road with him, man, we knew we was about to have a ball. Yeah. Yeah, I man, I really when I heard of my straight gangsterism, I I really wondered to myself, okay, why didn't they change the rules a little bit and and throw him in the group too at that time? He should have mm. been on No Nuts, No Glory. Uh, a few you could hear him on a few of the other songs, Six Feet Deep, any of those hey, songs. Hey, you I'm know? not bullshit. If I had my bomb button right now, I would hit it. That is a major bomb you just dropped right. <laughs> like for real, he could have. He could have easily been one of the members of the Ghetto Boys, man. Like, even from when yeah. we first heard him, when we sitting in the Harris County Jail, like, man, that is so iconic in Houston, the convicts. Like, that shit was crazy, man. And to think that from that dude singing that song and became a, I mean, becoming what he was, you know what I'm saying? It, it was it was dope. And I, to me, I still think some of his dopest work was the Black Monks. With him yeah. and AWOL and them did, and I, I'm going to tell you a secret about the Black Monks, right? Even though they ever was called Secrets of the Hidden Temple, right? So pun intended. But I'm going to tell you a secret about the Black Monks. I think I told G-Money this. There was a song, I think it's the last song on that album, right, that 3-2 starts off rapping on it. That was really supposed to be. It, it was a. It was a click song. Ain't it funny how we keep coming back to the click song? But that was actually a click song that had almost all the artists on rap a lot on there. But what happened was, you know, we were recording on um, two track tapes back then. I mean, not two tracks, but the real real. And what happened was, is they the they ran out of time to put that song in its totality on the tape. So if you go to the Black Monks and you listen to that last song, you're going to hear it fade out. 
And the reason why it fades out right in the middle of somebody rapping is because they didn't they didn't have enough tape to put the whole song on there. And I hated that. That's the reason why I don't have a feature on the Black Mars, and I hate that to this day. Yeah, Double O Seven told us that the the Bring It On uh, song had like uh, seven more people on it, and they were cut um, for whatever reason. Um, I mm. forget who he That's, mentioned. I never heard that. That's news to me. Yep. Yeah, yep. He I did hear that. Yeah, Man, I would he said, love uh, to hear the original. There was a, a bunch of them. You Man, go to our YouTube love to channel. Hear the um, I'll send you a link to that so you guys can check it out. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd love to hear that too. Um, you know what I'm saying? That would be amazing. Um, we're gonna go to this. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Um, this uh, second song. Then we're gonna bring on the homie Sin. But before we do, I want to make sure. Uh, you get to uh, get a couple questions in if you want, Brother uh, G-Money. It's all yours, man. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I just had a, a couple questions about your time around when you was with the when the Fifth Ward Juveniles dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, first question, what was that first studio session like after you signed? Like, how were you feeling? Were you excited? Were you nervous? Both? Um, I was I can say this, we were prepared. We were well prepared because we went through, I would like to call it Rap-A-Lot boot camp. Uh, we kind of, we for a year and a half, we were just getting out of school and coming up to uh, Rap-A-Lot, and our job every day was to write a song, learn it by heart, be able to perform that song in front of them like we on stage. And we couldn't use the paper now, so we had to learn it by heart. And if we mess push ups and start over again, right? <laughs> so we, so by the time we put our album together, it only took us a week to lay it down. We went in the studio, and it was just like we were in at Raffleite. We just went in there, and it was a cakewalk. So it wasn't. We didn't even think about being nervous. It was like we were so prepared. And I always give them their props on that. They they had us well prepared when we went in the studio. Even for our performances on stage, we were always dope. We were we were we were sharp. For sure. And how did your family, friends, and classmates react when you signed? Okay, um, family they they were super excited because they knew they knew me. They know, you know, little Frank always walking around with the radio and the tapes all the time. All I cared about was music. I DJed all the family gatherings and stuff, even as a kid. So they, they like, they was almost like we always knew you would do that, but I would get the video cameras in my face all the time. Everybody wanted, wanted me to rap and take pictures and stuff like that. And in school, that's how um, I, the, the story, I don't know if I told you the story about Killer Kyleon, but um, Killer Kyleon, I actually taught him everything he, well, I'm going to just tell you the story. Me and Killer, we in algebra. Um, I'm writing the Fifth Ward Juveniles um, um, album. And the way I used to write it is I would hit the top of the paper with the name of the song. And being that I signed the raffle out, I would always put raffle out records in the corner. When he come in the class one day and he's looking over my shoulder and he like, uh, he said, man, you signed the rapper? 
I said, yeah. He said, man, get the hell out of here. He didn't believe me, right? So I was like, no, I'm for real. I said, I, he said, so you telling me you go kick it with Scarface now? You, I'm like, bro, I didn't kick it with all of them. So he like, damn. He was like, man, I, I want to rap, but I don't this, this, and that, whatever. I wrote him his first verse, took him up to rap a lot. He got nervous as hell, and they didn't sign him. But if you ask Killer to this day, I think he just did an interview on Donnie Houston a couple of months ago, and he was like, man, the uh, the person who taught me how to write raps and everything was Mr. Slim from the Fifth Ward Juvenile. So it's like a crazy little part of history for people who know Killer. It's like that's that's how that's how it sounds like the kid and play story, like when you hear them talking about how Salt and Pepper and Kid and all of them went to high school together. That's how it kind of was on our end, too. But, oh, yeah, let me add this part, too, G-Money. I only had one girl all the time, though, man. I was always going steady. That's what we used to call it back then. I was always going with one girl, so I didn't get to enjoy the perks of, like, oh, man, I got about 10, 20 girls running after me at one time. I was always keeping it real with one girl, man. <laughs> hey, it's all about stability. That's, that's all good, too, man. You, you didn't have to worry about penicillin then. <laughs> no, uh, exactly. Look, that's crazy because, bro, I never got I never got gonorrhea, never. And still, to my homeboys, they think that shit is crazy. I'm like, bro, I never been burned. I don't know what's out. But all of my partners have, though, not me. <laughs> oh man, you, you know, not to get off subject, but uh, read DJ Yellow's book straight out of Compton, and um, I forget what chapter it is, but uh, you'll learn about his summer of 1999 and how he spent some of it in the hospital with what we're talking about. Uh, Damn. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, shout out to DJ Yellow, man, uh, NWA, World's Most Dangerous Group. But that is a hell of a book right yeah. there. Uh, you had him on your couple, <laughs> yeah, you he's, oh, yeah, he's on. Uh, the first time we had him on was in, I think, 2013. And then we had him, <clears throat> we had him on one time. We had Cocaine and Spice One uh they were talking about uh, being on the set of Tupac's uh, gang-related movie, and um, I had yellow. Uh, I hit him up. I was like, "Man, if you can't hit the line, that would be great." And he he surprised Spice One and uh, Cocaine, and they were talking. And it was good. We we try to capture a lot of stuff like that. Try to get the legends. Ain't gonna lie, that's 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 fucking dope, man. I ain't gonna lie. That, that, so y'all had some pretty legendary names to come through here. Shout out DJ Yell, shout out Spice One, shout out Cocaine. Um, as y'all both know, um, we did the song, um, Gangsta Shit on um, uh, Usual Suspects, I believe. Oh yeah, What's that? yeah. Yeah, that was Usual Suspects, and I was on the first song with uh, Spice One. And, man, let me tell you, being in the studio that night with Spice One, and I promise, that was my favorite rapper at the time, right? Trigger Got No Heart, all of that shit. Uh, even all the way from the, his first album, I was Spice One. A lot of my style was from Spice One. And to hear him, he actually walked around the studio saying my verse. And he looked at me, he said, man, that young dude right there is cold, man. And I'm telling my bro, they could have just rolled me up out of there right then and there. I was done. <laughs> yeah, to get props from, from Spice, like you said, he was one of yeah, the best. Yeah, he rapping my verse, bro. I'm like, come on, this is this ain't real. Like this, this it was so surreal, bro. It was like I couldn't believe it. Yeah. So my next question, um, 
is about the year 1995, the year y'all dropped. Um, one fact that, you know, some may or may not know is 1995 was basically all Rap-A-Lot West, with the exception of y'all and the Fifth Ward boys. Um, oh, okay. What did, what did you think about, uh, like, I know we had Seagram before, but what did you think about the expansion and Jay dropping so many projects from outside of Houston that year? Okay, yeah. okay. Um, what was dope about that that I remember was um, this is around the time you had Menace Clan coming in, you had um, uh, 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 CJ Mack, you had Papa LQ. Uh, Papa LQ um, out of all of them, and all of them I do, shout out to all of them, but um, it's funny because I just found Papa LQ probably about a couple of months ago on uh, Instagram. Because <laughs> he don't go by Papa LQ, he got a whole other different name, right? And so when I found this page, I was like, yo, and it just took me back, right? And I remember, like, I can go back right now. When those dudes, they influenced, I'm going to just tell you this, they influenced the hell out of the Fifth Ward Juveniles because, you know, during those times, you know, we was down south and we were doing our things, but the West Coast was just like, uh, if you was listening to music, you just knew that that was like the home of the gangster shit, right? It was like, this is where... This is where it's at. This is where all the movies is happening. This is where, you know, Compton, people that weren't even from Compton wanted to be from Compton. You know what I'm saying? Fifth Ward ended up getting on that level, but there was a point in time where it was just all about the West Coast. So being kids, I I can't speak for the older cats, but being kids, seeing those dudes come around, man, they highly influenced us, man. I think that's what influenced us to do G-Groove. and to kind of have that that G funk sound a little bit in our in our in the Fifth Ward Juvenile's music was just kicking it around those cats, man. Those, those they they were authentic too. When I say that they was really repping that shit, like they was repping that shit, and we we really respected them, and they gave us a lot of game back then. So yeah, it was dope, like having those guys come down from the West Coast and. You know what I'm saying, and and we adopted them just like they adopted with us. You know what I'm saying, and she was she was fly. Still to this day, man, I, I can't wait till I can um go down to uh uh L A and get on the show with uh um with Dub C and uh uh C J. They show doing pretty good oh, yeah. too, man. But but yeah, man, oh, that, 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 that was pretty dope. I I, I appreciate those questions too, man. Those were dope questions. Hell yeah, uh, hell yeah, brother. And anybody out there, now, uh, I just want to say this real quick. Anybody out there got a copy of uh, Deadly Grounds and CD that you want to uh, donate to uh, my collection or uh, or uh, G Money's collection, man, hit us up. We'd love to man, take it Man, let me tell y'all how I got mine. I'm going to tell y'all how I got mine. You can go to eBay. You can go to eBay, and, and, and they have them on there for sale, man. They Some of them with some real reasonable prices. Some of them is like, what? Like, <laughs> and, yeah. But you can actually go there. I, I got mine. Well, my wife actually got it for my birthday. I got a cassette tape because I, I had to get it on cassette. It's wrapped. It's never been opened. And, man, sometimes I just sit and I hold it in my hand, right, because I remember when it came out as a kid and I held that tape in my hand for the first time, man, after holding so many other artist tapes, like, you know, the Tupacs, the man, just holding so many cassettes, and I was like, yo, I'm really holding my album. Like, I tell people all the time, I'm that artist that 
I didn't take nothing for granted. I, the whole time, man, I just, like I say, I felt like I was living the dream because I visualized this shit before it happened and then just being there and seeing this shit happen and being around some of my most favorite artists. Like one time Jay brought Salt up to the studio to hear us rap one time uh, from Salt and Pepper. Man, I could have oh, wow. fucking passed out. Like, bro, like, come on, man. <laughs> and this time, this was, uh, I had to be about 15 this time because, like I say, we were up there a year and a half before we actually dropped. So to see her come up there and we rap for her, and I'm like, hold up, this is the girl who's seen Tramp, uh, It's Your Thing, and, like, come on, man, this can't be real. Like, man, I, I enjoyed every moment. And like I say, even though everything came to a screeching halt like it did, I still I, I I won't take nothing back. I I because it it got me where I am today. Yeah, and if you say salt, I, I want to bring this up too. Ready Red, um, uh, he was telling us the first rap a lot tour, you know, was with the Fat Boys and Salt and Pepper, and he remembered being uh-huh. on tour with them, and uh, it was like, <clears throat> excuse me, it was like eighty seven, eighty eight, somewhere around there. Um, so that's amazing. You know, there's a lot of lot of dope history, you know, with rap a lot. And uh, G Money, thank you for uh, being a spot to go to where we can get the information we need. Um, you know, because uh, that's what it's all about. Man, I wish we would have had you, uh, Slim, uh, in 2012, I think it was. Man, we got to do another one. We're long overdue. We did a rap a lot roundtable. We had uh, uh, Tulo. We had the terrorists. We had Nip. Uh, Ready Red, uh, DMG, uh, man, the Death oh, Four, a bunch of people. Yeah, it was from from the early days to you know later on. It was it was real dope. I'll send you the link in the archive to that so you can check it out. Um, yeah, I'm definitely gonna check that out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, uh, we, we can put we, together another one, man. Like, like, shoot, we can. It's so many. Like I say, when it comes to G Money and so many raffle artists that started following that page, like, that's when I knew it was official. <laughs> I yeah. was like, hold on, man, because at first, I ain't going to lie, I was peeping and I was looking at first, and I was like, hold up, I don't know what this is. And eventually I was like, oh, okay, this this really, this is official. Everybody's on the page. And so it's like, it was like a family reunion. So, yeah, that, I'm pretty sure G Money can be very instrumental in making that happen. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Definitely, definitely, man. Uh, he definitely helped me uh, set up a couple shows here. And also, shout out to the homie, um, you know what I'm saying, Sergio, Ruthless Propaganda. He does the same thing G Money does with Ruthless Artists. He's connected with all those guys. And, and you know, it, it's dope that people care enough to do that because, you know, um, it gives us a spot to go to to connect with the artists. Um, I'm going to bring on the homie Sim from France. We're going to save this song for the end. Um, okay. I know he's, he wants to get a couple questions in, but before I do, uh, G-Money, do you have uh, any more questions you want to ask? I got one more question, but also, you know what I'm saying, much respect to you. And I had a whole lot of issues with Murder Dog, and whenever I seen anyone from Rapalot on there, that was like... Buying it. I'm not even opening it. I'm just buying it. <laughs> so shout out to you for your coverage as well. Um, Thank you, brother. Now, uh, Slim, I know that um, around 
when Tulo dropped, there was a, a track on his album that had several other youngsters on it. And I heard that uh, Jay had signed other juveniles, no pun intended. Do you, uh, uh-huh. Can you speak on that at all? Oh, man, that's, uh, of course. Um, that was that was one of the craziest weekends. Um, uh, the song you're speaking on is, uh, speaking of is The Come Up um, by Tulo. And the 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 whole premise of the song was to put all of the artists who was getting ready to come up and out, right? And I always, um, and I, I'm saying this from the most humblest place, but I always look at that weekend was like a battle. That song, you can listen to that song, and the next time you hear it, you're probably not going to listen to it the same after I tell you this. That song, when you listen to it, it's really what you're hearing is kids fighting for the opportunity to be able to drop on rap Because just being signed to rap is one thing, right? But being able to drop is another. That's that's like that's a whole other part of the part of the issue that's not necessarily guaranteed just because you signed it. it, it um, think about Princess Chaos. Like, you know, she signed. She was on a whole lot of football boys, but did y'all ever hear an album from her now? So what it was, that that song to come up, you hear you hear artists on there scratching and fighting for their life. And as you hear the football juveniles, if you hear how 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 sharp we are as a group. Like when the football juveniles come on that song, man, we are so fucking sharp. It's it's represented of everything that I just told you about us coming in, learning our songs, having to be on point with everything, right? And I think that that performance is what allowed for Jay to say, you know what? We really gonna put out an album on these on these guys right here because if you think about it. You got Gage, shout out Gage. Uh, you got Endo, shout out Endo. Um, you got uh, Deshara, uh, shout out Deshara. It's so many people on that song, Lil Kilo, that did not see the light of day. If you really think about it, the only people who was able to drop an album off that song was Tulo, which it was on his album, and the Fifth Ward Juveniles. Nobody else from on that song came out. And that's that's what's crazy. That's a dope ass question, G Money. <laughs> that's really dope because, like I say, nobody else from that song came out. Yeah, and there's a oh, lot yeah. of us on there too. It's a lot of us on that song, but only the Fifth Ward Juveniles. And like when you go back and listen to it, just listen to it with that in mind. That dang, they did sound hella sharp on this song compared to everybody else. And I think that's what made Jay say, "Well, we're gonna put them out." Nobody else came out though, and I I always thought that was sad too, because it was some dope kids other than us on that song. But they they Jay, I mean Jay didn't put them out. Yeah. And before just... before I wrap up, shout out to uh, Kenny Kingpin, aka Pop LQ. Uh, I yes, think sir. he's in the audience tonight, listening in. Oh, man, if he's in the audience listening, Papa LQ, listen, I'm going to jump in your DM. I think I have already if I haven't, but, man, we need to definitely get together and work on something, man, because I was just listening to uh, House in the Scene the other day, and, uh, man, when I tell you that uh, in a killer for my hood, man, I'll tell you, Papa LQ, hella 
influenced the fifth or juveniles, bro. I'm telling you. <laughs> so yeah, man. Uh, shout out, because I couldn't think of what his name was. Because when I found him, like I said, it was different from Poppy LQ. So you said it's Kenny Kingpin, man. So y'all, y'all go check my boy out. And hey, I'm gonna be in your DM soon, man. And man, we got to do something, bro. Because your, your your shit is just too wavy. Oh yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. That, that's what's up. Um, let's go bring on the brother uh, DJ Lord Sinister in France. How you doing, Sin? Yes, yes, sir. Hi, hi, Scott. Hi, Jimone. Hi, uh, Mr. Slay, legendary. Hey, um, what's happening, man? Yeah, I'm fine already. Uh, the French Connection. Um, can I tell us about these songs, uh, classics, uh, Deadly Grounds, and, and No Conscious from your group, Revolt Juveniles? Oh, okay. Those um, those songs in particular, um, if I'm not mistaken, I know Deadly Grounds um, is a song that actually has Trey Deuce on it. There's um there's only two songs on the album that only have Trey Deuce, and I think you may have just named both of them. I think it's No Conscious and it's Deadly Grounds. If I'm not mistaken, and that's actually crazy. That's 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 eerie. But uh, yeah, those two songs, man, were like, man, um, the the energy from those songs. I remember when I would sit back and I would just listen to those songs, and like I say, man, we had so much influence from the West Coast, and you know, uh, uh, what Drayden was doing, and I felt like we took, you know, from a little bit from there, but we took it and put our own little twist on it coming from down south, but I think we hit exactly what we were aiming for. Like, when we would go in the studio and and, and try to put those type of songs together, like like I say, we wrote, we were writing those songs ourselves as, as young teenagers, and there was, you know, sometimes when artists go in the studio and they may do 30, 40 songs, and then they pick from the best ones to put on the album. Well, with the Fifth Ward Juveniles, every song that we wrote was put on the album. Every one that we was doing was getting put on the album because we was putting them together so precise like that. So, uh, yeah, those those songs I, I really, really, really like. like They have a special, um, you know, feel to me in my heart because, like I say, R.I.P. Trey Deuce, those were the only songs after, um, you know, he committed. Uh, well, he didn't. He didn't commit suicide till probably after two years after the album came out. But the reason it kind of led to that is because Trey Deuce, um, Trey Deuce was on every song. Let me say that he was on every song on Deadly Grounds, right? But what ended up happening was his dad didn't sign the contract. We were all so young that our parents had to sign the contracts, and uh, his dad didn't sign. My mom signed for me, daddy low mama for him, nickel boy mama for him. But dad I mean but uh Trey Deuce dad was like, no, he he literally said he was not ever gonna sign the contract. So we literally had to go in the studio and take Trey Deuce off of all but two songs and there's no conscious and daily grounds. Yeah. His two songs and is on the level of the dark number folk like Mr. Free Oh, step into my hood of your one boys, you know. This type of song, yeah. Um, oh. Can you tell us yeah, about your collaboration with Mike Dean, who did a lot uh, for a few more juveniles at Time Deadly Grounds uh, album? Oh, you, did you say Mike Dean? 
Oh, by yeah. Bean. Okay. Oh, okay, I got you. I got you. <laughs> My bad. Okay, Mike Dean, man. Um, man, first and foremost, I got a lot of love for Mike Dean. Um, he, I seen Mike Dean in his very humble beginnings. Um, as a matter of fact, the Fifth Juveniles was like the first project that he done um, production on solo. Because you know, Mike Dean, <clears throat> he was responsible for a lot of the playing. You know, the No Joes and uh, Beto and a lot of other production that was going on on rap a lot. Like, so if you heard bass or you heard some dope key or a piano at the beginning of a Scarface song, it was always like Mike Dean, right? But when uh, Dewey came to him with the Fifth Ward Juveniles and he produced uh, G Groove, uh, he produced uh, Gangsters in My Hood. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think Got to Get Paid. And uh, something else, maybe, it might be slipping my mind at the moment, but I always watch Mike Dean. I always watch them. I, I even, it's funny how in production now we hear people talking about templates and, and stuff like that and always say that Mike Dean was so ahead of the game. He was doing templates way in the early 90s. And um, I, I peeped a lot of stuff from him, how to, uh, mixed music and stuff like that. So I, I, man, Mike, I can go on for years and years about Mike Dean. But one thing that's special about Mike Dean when it comes to the Fifth Ward Juveniles, in a, a few years, I think maybe it was maybe seven, eight years ago, I was on Twitter and uh, I had made a post and I was like, um, you know, shout out Mike Dean and uh, you know thanking him for producing our first single for us back then, right? And, like, he reposted it and everything, and it was pretty dope. And uh, something G-Money showed me, as a matter of fact, that was really dope. Uh, that that shit was crazy. Uh, Nardwar, right? Now, I'm pretty sure y'all know who Nardwar is, right? The dude yeah, who does yeah, the interview uh, the crazy dude. Yeah, yeah, he interviewed Yeah, he did an interview with Mike Dean, and you know how he always pulls out some crazy, quirky shit from your past that you be like, what the fuck type shit? Well, yeah. the first thing he pulls out is the fifth boy juvenile. <laughs> shit, oh, hell yeah. That shit blew my fucking mind, bro. I ain't gonna lie. Like, I told G-Money, and I hope he ain't think I was bullshit, bro. Because, you know, I watch Norwalk, uh, uh fucking interviews all the time, and he... He's so dope at his interviews because he's he goes really into the artist. Like he seems like he go back and talk to your first grade teacher or something. Like he really goes in depth and to see that his first his first in depth question to Mike Dean was he said something about it was crazy the way he said Fifth Ward Juveniles too by the way. But he said something about do you remember this and this about the Fifth Ward Juveniles? And I'm like, yo, that is fucking crazy. But that's 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 how it came back full circle, you know what I'm saying? I'm still waiting to talk to him because I'm going to be like, I know that had to trip you out that that came back full circle like that. That that was one of the first uh, solo projects that he uh, got to produce on. He did that with Bushwick yeah. Bill. Uh, he he brought up Gangster Nips with Bushwick Bill. He's like, Bushwick, tell us about Gangster Nip. <laughs> yeah, like I'm talking about, I mean, man, it was crazy. I'm like, and just for him yeah. to even consider the Fifth Ward Juveniles in that Man, I was like, 
that that's crazy. I ain't gonna lie. Still to this day, that's like surreal. I'm like, come on, man. Like I done watched a hundred of North War interviews and I see how he blows people's minds and like I say, for it to be the fifth war juveniles that he brought up, I was like, That's pretty dope, man. And uh but yeah, man, Mike Dean is dude and he's working with the weekend now. And I just think, man, he everywhere he goes, he blows everybody's mind. And he takes over whatever you're doing, but he leaves so much knowledge that when he leaves, you're still good. Because you, you think about what he did with down here in Houston with Raphaelite. And then he moved up there with Kanye. Uh, and then he started working with Travis Scott. And then he's working with The Weeknd. And when he performs with these people, because, you know, Mike Dean go hit that stage with him. When he hit that stage, Mike Dean is, oh, my goodness. Have y'all ever seen him, like, live, like, playing those keyboards live? No, no, not live. I need to check oh, it out. Oh, no, Mike Dean is, oh, my goodness. Man, he, I, I didn't know he was that dope on the keyboards like that. I know he's a dope bass player, but the first time I seen him at a Scarface concert playing like that, he, he really plays like Mozart or something. Like, Mike Dean is super talented. Yeah, yeah he's absolutely. Um, you, you was also under the name Frank Nitti with uh, the group Keyboard Circle, FWC, and uh, with the album Organized Crime. Can you tell us about the, the songs, the life of living, and the choices? And choices, it was before the choices of music mafia. <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. Well, Choices is um, one of those songs, man, that was, if, if you listen to the beginning of that song, the intro, I talk about Trey Deuce. I talk about um, Trey Deuce and the fact that he made that choice to commit suicide, and I, that's what wow. kind of drove the the song. Like, it was about choices at that time and the different choices that people was making, um, even the choice of um like leaving the Fifth Ward Juveniles at the time when I did because it was actually, it was almost like I was the last person left in the room. So I was, it, it's, it's it's not like I quit the Fifth Ward Juveniles. Um, the other members just decided that they didn't want to do it. And um, and it, all, everybody had their own reason or whatever. Um, it was it was mainly creative differences and stuff like that with the um, with the production coordinators and stuff. They kind of wasn't liking the direction that the other artists was going with they um, with their music and stuff. And so they they kind of clashed at that, so they left. And so that left me just as a solo artist and. The, the the what's crazy about this, this is a true story. The night that I got off the phone with Daddy Lowe when he told me that he didn't want to do the fifth or juvenile thing no more, I yeah. jumped right on the phone with Gotti. I called Gotti soup like soon as I hung up with Daddy Lowe, I picked up the phone and I called Gotti and the conversation went exactly like this. I say, um I say, Are you still working on an album right now because Gotti as a solo artist was like, man, you could tell even on the stuff that he did on our album with Civil Boys, I used to just love his voice and how he rapped. It was just, it was dope to me. So um, I asked him, was he working on a project? And he was like, no, I haven't started yet, but I'm about to. And I say, man, what, what would you think it would be like to, it's me and you in a group? 
And he was like, hold up, what's going on with the juveniles? And I was like, man, daddy will say he don't want to do it no more. And nickel boy, you know, they had their differences or whatever. And he said, well, man, I'm down if you down. So as soon as I hung up with Yachty, I called Dewey and uh, Spook, and I told them the idea. And they was like, well, come on up here to the studio. And we went up to the studio, and they must have put on about seven beats. And we just went back-to-back freestyling, back-to-back on the beats, right, just to try to see how we meshed together, like how did we go well together. And just from that exhibition, everything was so dope and so tight together that we formed that group that night. We we came up with the name, FWC, everything that night, the name of the album. Uh, I, I was already thinking of changing my name to Frank Nitty because my actual real name was Frank so I was like, okay, so this is what we're going to do. So we put together FWC, and um, just like I was telling <clears throat> earlier in the show, um, that album is crazy. When I say that that album from beginning to end is some of um, my best work during that time, like, like in the, and there's a lot of people who haven't heard it, but like I said, because it was only 5,000 uh, copies pressed up, uh, pressed up of it. So um, to hear you weigh in France, knowing about yeah. that, that's crazy. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that was only five thousand copies of that pressed up, and if they made it way out there, man, like that's a blessing. And I'm, I'm glad y'all was able to enjoy it because, like I say, it was a dope album. I enjoyed making it. Uh, we was free. It was man. It was so dope, man. Back then to just be able to say and do what you wanted to on albums like. So, like, back then, and, yeah, it was fun. It was definitely fun doing that album. And it's crazy because Choices is a, is a, is was a movie of critics, and, and your song, Life for Living, uh, Project Project, the song, Life for Living, in order to make a quick, and uh, it's cousin, and, and it was before his titles. <laughs> yes, that's my, to be honest with you, <laughs> that's my favorite song on the album. My favorite song yeah. on FWC, Organized Crime, is The Life We Live In, because yeah. um, it's something about it. I don't know what it, it's just, man, it's, it's got this vibe. It's crazy. It sounds like, it's, it's funk. It's got a funky bass in it, and it's got like this island kind of sound to it. It's like, you can it's it just feel like when you're listening to it, you can feel the island breeze. It's just a it's a it's a very well put together song, and like I said, man, we put a lot into that album. So I was highly disappointed. I'm talking about very disappointed that um, they only put out five thousand copies of it, and it was because of differences at the company. It was definitely like because of the music. It was um, it was some behind the scenes uh, stuff that went on. And it kind of made us, we, we kind of suffered for, for it. And, you know, seeing how that album was done, and, like, if anybody want to know, like, why did Slim, <clears throat> why did why did I ever leave rap And that was it. It was because of FWC. It was, it's, if you ever go back and listen to that song, and, and you can go on YouTube, that some people have it up on YouTube in, in different places, but, um, you listen to that album, you'll see why I was upset as I was because, like I say, this was such a nicely put-together album. Uh, lyrically and everything, man, we, we showed out on that album. 
and for it to get done the way that it got done, it kind of, it was like a punch to the stomach. It was like, oh, no, hell no, we can't do this. And we was making so much money ourselves. Like, we was we was doing some, we were hustling. And so we, we felt like, man, we could venture out and do this thing ourselves, and, like, that's what we did. And that's what made me kind of spearhead into production. Like, that was, like, 9-9 is when I bought my first MPC, um, got my first Triton keyboard, up and just went head first into production. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And on the final note, um, rest in peace, AWOL and Blood uh, Tree Through. They are really integrated in the down south in Houston. And uh, I was unaware to integrate uh, the AWOL from the Democratic Show. And um, also, rest in peace to uh, Russell Washington, CEO of Big Time Records. Yeah, yeah, big time, man. Big time, man. Uh, Hitting credit for what he contributed to Houston. Uh, Or to the South, period. You know, uh, Big Time Records was a a monster independent label. I was was buying records and tapes or or tapes and CDs from him when I was in sixth and seventh grade. I'm 45 now. You know what I'm saying? So I was was a kid buying from from Russ, you know. Huge loss, man, right there. Um, hell of a show. I, I really want to do this again in the future, brother, because, uh, you know what I'm saying, it's so dope to talk to you. And, uh, man, much success with your podcast and everything you're doing. Uh, we got one more song to play uh, before we do. I want you to intro the song, too. Um but before you do that, I want to give you the floor, man. Let them know what you got, you know what I'm saying, where they can go, what they can buy. It's all yours, brother. Already. Well, man, um, I'd like to first and foremost, man, appreciate y'all for having me on. Um, it's it's dope, you know what I'm saying, to talk with like-minded individuals, uh, historians that really take the music serious, Um like I say, I've always been a consumer of music and to hear that music that we've put together because we never get to hear our music like other people hear it. And and other people who do music, they never get to hear it like how the fans hear it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm a fan and an artist at the same time, so it's like to know that y'all really got what we were trying to put out there at the time um that's 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 real big man and um like i say i appreciate everything all the love all the look shout out to uh everybody out there in france too man and all over the world um as far as what we got coming out right now man we got the frankenstein ep that's going to be uh under mr slim so it's going to be mr slim the frankenstein ep it's going to be fully produced by your boy man and i'm gonna have some featured artists on there i'm gonna surprise y'all with a lot of the features on there um uh, we're doing the podcast, so like I say, look up the Frankenstein Oddcast podcast. That's F-R-A-N-C-K-N-S-T-Y-N-E-S, Oddcast podcast, and the Oddcast is O-D-D-C-A-S-T. And uh, look that up on YouTube, man, and like I say, y'all will enjoy that as well. Um, you can find me on Instagram at official Mr. Slim with two M's. 777, um, if you're trying to get any music, mix, master, if you're trying to get beats, 
As a matter of fact, the song that we're about to get ready to hear, uh, that's definitely going to be on the project. That's also self-produced by me as well. Uh, man, we are we are legends in this music thing, man, and we 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 still try to put that same energy into the music. You know what I'm saying? That that good feel good music that'll stick with you for years to come, man. And and like I say, man, all the hip hop heads out there that listen to this stuff and take it to heart, man, we appreciate all of that stuff, man. And just keep paying attention to what we got going on, man. We're doing big things, and like I say, it's much love to to y'all, man, for putting this together. And I can't wait till we able to do it again, man. I look forward to it. Man, definitely. definitely. Like you say, uh, like you say, this last song, man, this uh Mr. Slim. It's called Gotta Do What I Gotta Do. Um, it's super dope, man. Y'all check it out, man, and let me know. Hit me up on Instagram, let me know what you think about it, man. But we're gonna be dropping real soon. And uh that's that's pretty much hey yeah, uh uh, if if uh, uh, Poppy LQ still listening, man, I'm gonna be getting with you, no doubt, man. But other than that, though, man, there's much love from down here in H Town, man, and much love to everywhere else, man. I appreciate y'all having me. Man, that's what I'm talking about. Shout out to the homie uh, G Money for setting the show up. Shout out to DJ Lord Sinister France, and definitely shout out to our guest tonight, Mr. Slim. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Gotta do what I gotta do, man. Support it, man, Mr. Slim. Peace. Strapped in the club, look like belly when we walking through. Nigga thought his ass was 20 feet until he caught a few. Niggas thought his ass was gon' make it till they caught a few. <laughs> gotta do what I gotta do. Niggas want that beef, but they chicken, that's that court I'm blue. Get caught lacking in some shit I can't afford to do. Never underestimate a nigga who got more to lose. See, I'ma make it home, they praying that you make it through. Life of a made man. Yeah. Watch me make these moves. Yeah. Put that on my maker, we gon' make this papers. Villas in Jamaica, niggas hit the vapors. Gotta do what I gotta do. 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 We was pumping bass in the hood like we was Rodney O. If it ain't that pippin' in my wood, then it's that Bacchio. Pimp gang tight, you can't tell me shit about these hoes. I ain't got the time, baby girl, I take that choppy though. About to take off on these niggas like a jet, yeah. You can take that as a promise and a threat, yeah. Nigga, that ain't no Ferrari, that's a vet, yeah. I be flying on the highway to that check, yeah. I be burning rubber, I be burning rubber. I be about my business, about my business, not concerned with others. I be about that action, but I prefer not to burn a brother. Yo, nigga, just take your time and it's gonna be your turn, my brother. For real. Gotta do what I gotta do. Gotta do what I gotta do. Gotta do what I gotta do. Gotta do what I gotta do.